Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, this is Dana Scott. The Inferno Podcast episode 39 is now and joined by our co-host, legend Sed Sabalis, one-time NBA All-Star, one-time dropper of a 50 ball for the Lakers. And yes, he was an All-Star with the Lakers and he's a legendary Suns player from the 93 team, played twice for the Suns as well uh, after that. Um, but we also have Dr. Patrick Patillo, who is AKA super fan for the Suns, Mr. Orange. And I'm wearing a Santa hat because the day after Christmas is appropriate because Luca is the Grinch who stole Christmas from the Suns fans. And he had that wide, sinister grin after hitting that logo or near logo three that put him at 10,000 career points, the fastest player to reach that mark in NBA history since Michael Jordan. And so the Suns lost 128 to 114 on Christmas night to the Mavericks, their rival. And uh, let's just get right to it, fellas. It's been a long time since we had a podcast. We've had about a month and a half off because of uh, you started your Peoria boys basketball team season. I have been sick as well as dealing with my daughter's sickness and also dealing with my ASU students grading. Cedric, you've been sick, but there has been a lot that's happened since the sun started um, in early November through this time right after Christmas. Bradley Beal has been hurt. He's been sidelined for most of the season so far. He'll be back probably sometime in early January from his right ankle sprain that he suffered against the New York Knicks. And their loss when uh, Jalen Brunson two Fridays ago dropped 50 points. And also the Suns have lost nine of their last 12. It hasn't been good. Players don't look dialed in. It seems like Frank Vogel is not motivating them. He's A lot of the players seem checked out. KD seems like he has checked out on defense. And he has turned the ball over a lot more than he usually has. Players aren't running back on defense after turnovers like we saw with Booker screaming at Chemezi Mutu, who had a career night, and he threw the ball away, and he said to Chemezi Mutu, dude, you don't get back on defense after you turn the ball over? Like, that right there is a glaring indicator of where the Suns are, and, and just seems like there's a lot to unpack here. Let's start. Said, where do the problems begin with the Suns? Oh, man. Um... I got to go back to the to the beginning of the season when we started, uh, you know, the Bradley Bill, Booker, Kevin Durant thing. I just thought that, and he's still out there. I don't know if he's still playing, but Rajon Rondo will handle a lot of problems that is going on internally as far as, and it's tough because, you know, let's back it up to 92, 93 when we got Charles. Our expectations weren't championship. Obviously, Charles wanted that. He wanted to win, and he came in. Like, I want to win. But reality really under, uh, kicked us in uh, where it's a possibility after we made this uh, sacrifice to each other. We had, a, I think it was 14-1 and one record. We were really rolling at the top of the not only the Western Conference, but the league. That's when we start 
eternally going, hey, this is championship aspirations. It seems like from day one, when the Kevin Durant trade went down, that, you know, that championships talk has been going on. And I think that's detrimental to a basketball team. I think that if everybody just really came in and, and the Suns fans, as well as the upstairs uh, organization really came in and said, you know, this is a potential to, to have a, a pretty good team if we get things together. But just saying championship or bust, championship or bust, I think that's what they're waiting for now. Now they're just waiting for the playoffs and thinking that they can just kick it in and it's, everything's going to be all right. You see the lack of focus. Uh, and, and when you play in basketball and you have a lack of focus, you guys know this, first thing goes is turnovers. It's the first thing that goes is turnovers. Regardless if you're not cracking back on defense or taking care of assignments on defense, the first thing you do, you start being lazy with the basketball. The passes aren't on point. They aren't as crisp. Uh, you not, you don't have a lot of effort trying to receive the pass. So I think that's what's going on right now. And I don't know if Frank can fix that in enough time uh, before the All-Star break. I, I don't know if Frank uh, thinks that is something else or the organization thinks that is something else. And then, you you know, you do put a big pinch in uh, not having Bradley uh, in a lot of games. These, the big three have not not, not having them a lot together uh, really affects chemistry and, and what's going on. Lineups have been changed. Um, but like I said, it started the frustration and you see the lack of days go effort starts with the with the uh, turnovers. Then it goes into I still push him back on defense. Then it goes into the accuracy shooting of the three point line. Uh, you know, really dialing in and knowing that this ball is about to swing, swing, and it's my turn to shoot, and I'm going to shoot it with some confidence and knowing that I'm trying to help my team. Then in that third position of of lackadaisiness uh, is when you don't get the assignments right on defense, when you don't talk, when you don't communicate, when you start to bark and bitch uh, at each other about not getting back, not cracking back, what is we supposed to switch this, why didn't we that? Uh, so those are three signs that, that I, I look upon the Suns team and going, you know, you know, the focus is not really there. They haven't really tuned in. And sometimes you get that, fellas, around the holiday season, Doc. Yeah, I think uh, piggybacking off of those points said, to me, it is the lack of urgency and effort that really is glaring. And, and something has to change. I mean, you can't have the type of effort that we consistently, like you have Grayson Allen leading the way last night um, and, and a home game on Christmas night. And it's not just his scoring, like his effort, his execution, his hustle, you know, he's guarding Luca almost a whole game. So it's not like he's getting plays off on the offensive or defensive end. And then he's, he's playing great offensively as well. And so my big concern right now is the energy and effort. Like the, there is a huge gap there. KD, obviously extremely talented, but he just, he looks just slow to me. Like everything he's doing, he's complaining about every no call he doesn't get. Um, and, and just the effort isn't there. I mean, and, and that's a major problem because culturally, obviously Frank Vogel has to write the ship and get that fixed. But to me, they're not responding collectively as a unit um, and said, you know, whether I throw it back to you now or not, I really would love to see your thoughts on, have you ever been a part of a team or in a locker room where 
you, you see the breakdown in effort or consistent effort across the board with a group. And how did you guys navigate through that? Um, was it player driven, coach driven? I think that that's a big piece. If you have been a part of that, I would love to know, you know, what that looked like, because I feel that's where we're at right now, the, this Suns group. Um, and until that is fixed, like you said, turnovers are going to continue and you're not going to beat quality teams uh, just going out there and, and hoping you can just have better talent, but not apply the same level of effort. Yeah, this many games, Doc, um, no, I haven't been a part of that. But you get halves, you get quarters, uh, you get maybe one game. That, that, But once everybody recognizes it and understands it, uh, that's when you, you you make the changes and, and, and uh, you know, come back, you snap yourself back to reality that this is what you guys are doing defensively. Yeah, I'd like to note a couple things about turnovers. They're at 25th in the league in turnovers per game at 15 right now. They are 16th in three-point percentage. The Suns are 19th in defensive rating, uh, 16th in offensive rating. They are also, for points in the paint, ranked 22nd. And, you know, for pace, they are 25th. So that translates to their fast break points per game, which they've been pretty much the lower tier of the league all season. And so when you're talking about KD complaining about calls usually the winning teams are the ones who get the calls like the Denver Nuggets I know that Steve Kerr said last night um, or Christmas and uh, their loss to the Nuggets that it's absurd uh, I'm paraphrasing what he said that there the league is quote-unquote legislating on defense and pretty much putting star players like Nicola to the line 18 or 18 attempts. And so that's basically putting a uh, clamp on defense and pretty much of putting the guys out on, on files for closeouts, look overlooking flagrant files when they're not really flagrants and such. But this is where the Suns were five years ago when they weren't getting calls. And maybe even last year with Monty complaining about the calls and that loss to the Lakers and how he said it was getting old and how the team doesn't get calls. If you don't really have a winning culture and you have two superstars at least out there and your big three and you're not getting calls, that just shows where the league looks at the team that they basically have not earned the respect of this league and of the referees to get the calls, it seems. Would you say that's a fair assessment, Seth? Well, you can win basketball games without getting calls. You know, it, it it's it's the effort. I, I love the physicality of the Joker, even though he went 18 times. I mean, seven of those were 50 feet from the basket. So as much as Steve is pointing out to the referees and the, and the NBA for making this league such and such, these are dumb fouls. Like, you know, if one, it's, it's Jokic. He, he's a great ball handler. He takes care of the ball. He's not turnover prone. And I know, you know, the scouting report says, hey, pressure him. Uh, but 50 feet, I mean, use those fouls for good good fouls. You know, stopping him from laying the ball up, stopping him from offensive rebound putbacks, uh, wide open shots or wide open layups. Don't, you know, 50 feet, that's a, that's a bailout on the defender. Uh, as far as the Suns, uh, you, you'll go, when, you don't, when you're not focused and you're not taking care of the basketball, because obviously the scouting report, let's go back to it, is to the big three are very dangerous with the basketball. So how do you make uh, those three players have a tough time? You make them have a tough time by getting in their 
uh, a jock strap, so to speak. You get all up on them. You use a lot of hands. You yell and scream a lot. And then when they get rid of the basketball, the scouting report says these guys are not used to handling the basketball. The East Big Three usually have it. So pressure up on them to make them make a dumb mistake trying to get it back to the Big Three. So that's why a lot of these turnovers has gotten them into the 25th position. But, Doc, if you, you know, as a coach, you know, bringing, have, making them aware, how do you make them aware and understand exactly what's going on uh, to their offensive skills? Yeah, I think that's it. I think, you know, Frank Vogel was brought in to have a defensive mindset. And then, you know, you have Kevin Young and others that are here to bring the offensive side. And I think having quality, and not that they're not, we, we're not in the locker room and in the meetings, but the quality film sessions to go over, like specifically Kevin Durant and when he's turning the ball over. Then when he turns the ball over, my issue is the effort after the fact. Right. So yeah, Booker was upset yesterday, but it, and rightfully so, but KD almost every time he turns the ball over, he's just looking around like why he didn't get a call or why he made the mistake instead of springing back as well. And when you're a leader on the team and your others see that, they're going to follow that behavior. That's why culturally there, there's issues here where it's more than that. And, and Frank needs to hold them all accountable equally, Kevin Durant or not, and he needs to have those tough conversations and he needs to call that out because um, evidently it's not happening. I don't see it happening on the floor when it's, when it's taking place there. And then behind closed doors, um, I can only guess it isn't at the level it needs to be or else we would see changes. And so as the coach and on my staff, we would be working one-on-one -on -one and then with the group, but like here is where we're struggling. Here's what every team is doing that is forcing that. KD, you average probably five turnovers a game. Um, and a lot of those are coming when you're, you know, attempting to do too much offensively and go against two or three guys. Why don't we recognize and read that and make the pass off of that? Um, then to your point said with the shot selection, like you got to have guys that are ready to shoot. Like, you need to make the shot. They are going to force the ball out of the hands. KD did not like any of the physicality last night that Williams was giving. And I watched him off the ball continually, and Williams was just physical, bumping him, holding him. And eventually he would, he would try to do something for a little bit, KD would, then he would just stop and just sit in the corner and do nothing, no movement. And, and when you do that, you're doing exactly what the defense wants. You're taking yourself out of the play, and you're allowing the defense now, okay, we're focusing on Booker or Booker's out. Now it's one-on-one -on -one against all the others, and that's exactly what they want in the scouting report. Like, KD has to want to fight more, and I'm not putting it all on him. I'm just talking about what I've seen consistently over the last 10 games or so where we need more collectively and we need more effort and we need more physicality and we need more toughness and and it's not there. And then pair that with the turnovers and you're not going to win games. It's it's just that simple. So basically the beneficiaries of D book and Kevin Durant getting doubled and or sitting in the corner is Grayson Allen and Chemezi Metu. Chemezi Metu had 23 points and 19 rebounds last night, both career highs. Yes. And Grayson Allen had uh, 32 points season yep. high for him and eight threes. And so they, those are the guys who should not be motivating you to basically drive you in the fourth quarter or the third when they had that big surge to take their first lead of the game. It seems like the Suns are playing one half of basketball or even just you know one good quarter to put it together and just having this surge. And then in the fourth quarter, they just fall apart. What do you see is the fourth quarter issues for this team, Said It's tough because obviously, you know, 20,000 people and millions watching at home want the big three to take those fourth quarter late shots. Uh, but I think a lot of the players that you just mentioned need to understand that the, the, the game, the ball will find them. Uh, and, and that is part of, of Frank's, 
teaching and this programming that these three are not, I mean, great shots by book when it comes fourth quarter. Obviously, Kevin has been doing it for years, and we know Bradley has done that too. But, you know, Gordon and everybody else, these are big shots that you're going to nail that's going to free up um, more space for the big three. So you have to be prepared not only uh, mentally to want to take those shots, but physically get yourself in shape. Because uh, it's funny, and I go back to our 92-93 squad because Charles used to say it all the time, you know, don't get, you know, don't get tired of making free throws. Uh, don't don't think that one night you only get two shots and that that's your average because it's gonna be a night where you're gonna get 20 shots because just the, just the way the defense is playing and he's talking about the others uh, as Shaq would say he's not talking about him obviously he's gonna get 20 25 shots a game and Kevin and Marley and sometimes Chambers but um, but the me Richard you know our our, our shot attempts would vary between five and 20. And it depends on, you know, how much transition we were getting. So as a team, they got to understand that. And and then being bogged down, what you do on – when you're being bogged down on offense, what you do on defense opens that offense up. So if we stop taking a ball out of the net, play a little defense, get a little up and down, that'll open a lot of things up. And those defenders that are guarding Kevin Durant and and, and Booker, they'll start to get tired and fatigued because they're they're in a track race with guys that are coming off the bench fresh and running up and down. And and when you get, uh, you know, up and down basketball, it's beneficial not for your offense, but also for your defense. Right. Yeah, when you talk about the fourth quarter, that that's really where it's concerning. So this year, Kevin Durant is averaging 6.6 points per game in the fourth quarter alone, and he's averaging 0.8 turnovers a game. So almost one turnover a game in the fourth quarter alone. And then Book is averaging 7.4 points per game in the fourth quarter. So as said, alluded to, yeah, that's what you want to see. But for me specifically, what I notice at a KD in the fourth, it's like he tries to take over the game. And it's not when it's right. It's He's double teamed or triple teams, and he's forcing up these shots that usually when Book's getting his rest, like yesterday, Frank had him rest I think it was only like a minute and a half, if even. And then that lead shrunk and he and he put uh, Book back in. And so that I've noticed consistently all season is when fourth quarter hits, Durant just taking these careless shots that are not the right looks. And he's not playing the team basketball that got us to that point in the game. And I think there's a heavy focus on us and our, our results of blowing fourth quarter leads that are coming from those shots being forced. Because when you look at it statistically, you're not doing anything to help your team win when you're averaging 6.6 .6 points a game. And yeah, it's only one turnover almost uh, a quarter in, in the fourth quarter each game. But overall, it's not getting the movement and you're taking really low percentage shots. And that is a problem when you're trying to close out a game. And we've seen how many of the games that the Suns have lost, yesterday included, right? It was a lead of four going into the fourth was it or early in the fourth up four and you know to 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 have that swing to lose by 14 like that's significant yeah it was a 15 point swing in the third quarter from the uh 10 point uh 10 minute mark all the way to just a short of the uh, four minute mark um or just after the four minute mark into 330 so yeah it just seemed like the suns had it moving and Chemezi Metu was a monster on the boards. You know, he had six of his 19 boards in that third quarter, and Grayson Allen was lighting up. Brickler started to find his groove a little bit, even though he was still having these uh, slump. It, he started in the first quarter not shooting well at, like, one for six, and he's been doing that lately, and it'll come in the fourth and kind of, you know, take over. But it seems like this 
This team needs a closer, and they're missing that in Bradley Beal, who hasn't been healthy. So that segues to our next topic about Bradley Beal. The Suns are actually 12-plus when the big three on the on the floor together in that one game that they had against Brooklyn, in which they lost in the closing minute. But uh, also, the Suns were a uh, net rating of 23.2. Uh, and so that with the big three on the floor shows the impact of what Bradley Beal can bring. So when he comes back and hopefully he stays healthy, what do you see said is the basically what Bradley Beal can bring to the table rather than bad health? Well, it solves a lot of problems. Um, you know, obviously the statistics show that because when they're all three are on the court, they're great. And I think uh, his defensive presence and his activeness on trying to get quick steals, deflections, uh, pushing the ball up. He he wants to play, even though he's been in the Eastern Conference his career. He he wants to play up and down basketball. He wants to get to uh, to the basket. He wants to go forward. He wants to get himself to the free throw line. Uh, and it's contagious the way he plays. Uh, he just plays so hard. So uh, that'll help out a lot. And then um, I think the 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 biggest thing on 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 the offensive side is another great ball handler. And somebody that's used to being in those fourth quarter situations, uh, uh, being out there. Uh, we, we, I mean, I, I literally, literally just got to be saying that you know you got to be prepared. You get two to twenty shots, and this is a guy who can get you either one and be effective on the basketball court. So, um, you know, getting them healthy is a huge part. And I know organization wise, they want to see him out there, but they don't want to, you know. Uh, see him now, you know, obviously they want to see him, you know, late season and when they make that playoff run. Yeah, I, I loved it. Dana, yesterday he warmed up for over an hour uh, straight and he and he wasn't just getting shots up. I mean, he was putting in a sweat. Um, and so to Seth's point, that's going to be contagious. My biggest issue is still the lack of accountability and effort consistently because Beal will come back, but it shouldn't take that to spark the others to have that intensity. And that's a part from Frank Vogel, like me as a coach, like you're responsible for the culture. How are you holding these guys accountable? Defensive rotations. The game started with the, 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 of the first three or four players plays that um, the Dallas Mavericks ran, they had that easy dump down straight to the middle with no adjustments. Like how, how, can yeah. that, right. how can that happen? And anytime they went to it, it, it was available. Like, and then finally, I think Durant got a block on it in the fourth quarter or something or third. Yes. But it's like, you, you're in the NBA. You can't wait to make an adjustment on, on, a, on a play that simple. Like that, that can't happen. And that's the accountability piece I'm talking about is, I don't know what Frank is doing again, cause we're not in there, but like there has to be an element of accountability that starts with the defensive end that we're missing. And, and that intensity and that piece has to be there because regardless of what's happening, you should be giving your all and whoever those five are on the floor should be playing with the level of intensity that we're not consistently seeing. And that's my biggest issue is, is we're missing that. And so Frank as a head coach has to figure that out. Yeah. And I asked Frank about that last night, but Vogel spoke to my question about the lack of uh, effort or inside presence on the inside against Derek Lively's second. And so how he could get those easy dunks so much over and over and over again and how he basically had to go small because Chemezi Metu was playing so well on the glass and Nurkic was out who's their top rebounder he averages you know 10 rebounds a game and so not having him out there did it hurt them being having to go small and he said well not really because the fact is they had to have a game plan to try to crowd Luca 
And that gave up so much space on the backside to pretty much open up Derek Lively. And I agree, like so many times I saw Kevin Durant or so many other guys playing behind Derek Lively, just standing there, camping there. And it just seemed like they just were out of sorts on the help defense and hedging towards Lively, who was just easily putting his hands up and just having easy reverse dunks and uh, dunk after dunk. I think he had like four or five last night at one point. And so it just seemed that that was the issue with trying to contain Lively as they were trying to over-contain Luka because he was just having his way with the Suns' defense per usual. And so with that being said, I, I understand where Frank was coming from, but lacking that inside presence, like, okay, maybe you should have had Udoka Azubuki play a couple more minutes rather than just, you know, 10 last night, you know, and, and that was the issue with me. He played so well in the Kings game with 11 rebounds, 11 points. Why not put him in more? Because Drew Eubanks is getting in foul trouble. He's having trouble against Derek Lively, you know, so why not put in uh, a switch time between Metu and, and Azubuki and use what's on your bench? You know, obviously, Bull Bull's not going to do anything because Bull Bull doesn't really have the strength to compete with a Derek Lively, but but Azubuki, that's what they signed him for. And so I don't understand why he didn't get more time to establish that paint presence that they desperately needed. And well, I was going to quote Rick Pitino and say that, you know, Aiden and beyond Bismack is not coming through that door right now to, to try to clog that up. And shame on the Mavericks. I don't even know if that was a game plan because of the way they were playing behind him. Uh, if to, to, to try to eliminate what Luca did, but Luca got a 50 burger anyway. Right. And uh, the Mavericks didn't continue to go at that play after after renting it three times in a row and have some some sex with it. But maybe they were just holding out in case the game was a lot closer uh, as kind of like a decoy to, to, to get a dump down. But uh, you're right, Doctor. You, you have to make adjustments and you have to take them quickly. And that's not a that's not a Frank thing, uh, I don't think. I think this goes back to just that effort, just saying, hey, we're going to – you know, when we don't have the big three in there, you know, we'll just, you know, just skim along. We'll grab some wins here and there, but when the big three is all active, just because I think they're just reading the numbers and going, man, we, we're pretty good once we have everybody out there healthy. But it's just, you know, now that we don't have everybody healthy, uh, others have to step up and, and and change their roles and change their positions because uh, the big fella wasn't there. He was hurt. So, you know, we've got to plug that hole some way, somehow. Does that breed complacency, though, when you think about uh, the big three and how, yeah, we can play together if we really are together? It won't take much time, like Beal said. I just remember a couple weeks ago where Booker said after a loss at home, I forget which team it was, but he said that the loss doesn't concern him because he looks at uh, KD and Beal on the bench, and they were both hurt while he was playing. And so I was just kind of like, when you say stuff like that, every loss should be – uh, something that makes you mad and not just to make you feel like, oh, I got guys on the bench who can come in when they're ready, they're healthy, we're going to go. Does, is that a problematic statement to make? Not really. And like I said before, it's it's the others. I just don't like, even when those two of the big three are out, I used to lick my lips, man, if Charles wasn't playing, if Dan wasn't playing, if KJ wasn't playing. So I knew that was just a big opportunity. Now, I couldn't be mm -hmm. those players at that time in, in, in my career, I couldn't, you know, obviously replace or take minutes from Charles or Marley or KJ, but I just knew that I, at, at one point that I could play effectively if, if I had the minutes that they had. And I, I, like I said, when you take out two of the 
you know, top 20, 25 players in their in the league out. And, and you know, obviously that's 40, 40 plus minutes that you can just blossom in with you and you and another counter counterpart, you know, say, hey, you know, we got to replace KD's 38 minutes. We got to replace Booker's 40 minutes with some good, decent play. Now, it may take three players to do what Devin Booker does when he's out, but you know, you three get together and 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 plug that hole and shoot the ball well and have the energy. Uh, and that's what that's what I see missing. That energy just to, you know, it's like we're down in uh we don't have our victory. We got our victory. We got our victory. We got our victory. You know, we don't have our victory. We don't have our, you know, it's like, woe is us. Like, no. Uh and I don't know because of the the the, the new rules and that they're gonna uh, we'll get in. You know, just give us an opportunity to get the buy-in game or, or the play-in game, and we'll get in. And once we get in, and who cares about home court and this, that, and I don't know. Yeah. The spacing seems off in a lot of the, the offense. It seems like there is just some issues with the lack of having a true point guard. Booker is playing well. I mean, he's averaging uh, a lot of assists, and, you know, he's, he's playing very well at that position. But it's not his natural position. And the Suns team – was really at the top of the league in pace during that 2021 season when they went to the finals. And when they were in the following year, uh, they were still really good in pace. They were known as a pace team when they won those 64 wins, which was the franchise record uh, in 2021-2022 season. So the Suns could be buyers for the December is the start of a lot of trades going through the February trade deadline. Who should the Suns seek out for possibly employing for that point guard role? I know they just got Theo Malden uh, as a two-way, but who can be impactful with these guys who are on expiring vet minimum contracts that are tradable as rentals to another team? Stan, you got to go talk to Matt Ishpia. I'm telling you, my guy, I don't know if he's sitting at home getting chubby or not, but I just love the fact. And and uh, and I was about to pose the question to you, gentlemen. Take away the statistics of this basketball team. Who is the leader? Yeah. You know, Chris Paul's not here to, you know, even though he got on Aiden's nerves by going, hey, get here. Yeah. I want you to do this. You know, you could, you could take away that whole, that whole team when they were making that run to the finals and take away their statistics and you still would look at them and go, well, there's a leader right there. Even with Chris Paul's history, you will still know that that's the leader. This team now, you don't know who's the leader. I love when Booker spoke out about not getting back on defense, but that was a rare, that was a rare. It's like, I got so much other things to focus on. And maybe the roles of Kevin and Bradley and, and, and Devin need to change to more of a leadership. I know Kevin has been a scorer and a, and a performer his whole career. Uh, Devin, uh, the pressure on him, uh, not only after being uh, left left behind in, in the draft, proving himself, then he get the big contract. Now I got to prove I'm that big dude. Now I got to prove that I, I my two all-star appearances weren't just because of injuries. And and he's still in that proven mode. I got to prove I got to prove. That chip is still on his shoulder. Uh, Bradley wants to be involved in, in, in the winning attitude, but – not even though Kevin's got two of those things and Devin's been in some cru crucial situations, been to the finals, doesn't mean that he has to sit back and, and take a back seat to those two as far as leadership. Uh, because he did a great, I thought he did a great job with a, a, a diminished um, um, Wizards team and 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 not having the 
the opportunity to 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 get to the big big playoff games or big finals. So uh, I think maybe the roles need to change. And who do they pick up? That's tough. I, you know, it's so many players are just solidified. I mean, I even look at a Lowry in Miami. You know, the way he brought his attitude straight to Miami. Yeah. Even though uh, Butler was that guy, uh, um, uh, Bam was that guy, you know, even Hero coming off the bench being a, the hero, he still was like, "I'm. Uh, this is what I do. I put these things together. I'm a construction worker. You go here, let's go here. Hey, what do you mean you down today? There's no downplay for you. I need you to be this. I need you to be that. Uh, so it's it's tons of them out there. I, I just don't know. You know which ones will be available to 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 you know be moved around for us. It's true that your best player does not have to be your vocal and emotional leader. They don't, and so if that's not part of their personality, I remember asking this to Monty Williams you know, about Aiden if he's more vocal as a leader, and he said that if that's not his personality, he doesn't have to be. It could be somebody else to do that. And so I just wanted to add to that point from you said. Um, before you don't have go, to be verbal to to be a leader. You could you could be right. a you know a quiet hustler. James Worthy did that his whole career. I mean, he was Magic. Obviously, was the voice, but he plays so hard that you you can't help but being out there playing hard just like he is. Yeah, get more Statue of Liberty dunks, man, for sure. Right, <laughs> that's definitely leading the way. Before we go, we got about five minutes left. I just wanted to ask you about uh, both of you about. Eric Gordon's comments after that Kings loss where he only had two shot attempts and he said that he don't, didn't get many touches. And also the when he got back to practice, he mentioned how he couldn't get he, – he came here to win. I came here to win. And he also said he can't get frustrated off of one game. So is that something to – I mean, he, he had 12 points last night and he played well and shot five for eight. Is that something to – really feel like there's some unraveling from within from a veteran to make a statement like that. Well, I don't know if you want to unravel it, but it's it's back to what we all just said, gentlemen, when, when, when one of the big dogs are out, it's more opportunities for everybody else. So I know that's not Eric's game to shake and bake and, and have the ball in his hands. He's, you know, swing that ball around. He's knocking down. That's what they brought him in here to do. But, um, it's harder to get him shots when that's what he does, when you don't have the two of the big three out there because two of the big three get you most of your shots, you know. Um, Spacing. And the reason you get those shots because you have three dominant players that when they have the basketball in their hand, they're very, very dangerous. So, right. uh, And I don't know how he gets those – Frank gets those shots for him when you don't have those two, three, two of the three out there. Uh, getting him shots um you, you become the second option so you have to play like you're the second option and he's you know he, he he's not coming off of screens ice on one he's coming off of screens getting a jump shot he's he's planting his feet getting a jump shot but he's not driving to the bucket like book does he doesn't you know go coast to coast like uh bradley does or or or, or an opportunity to get a defensive rebound and push it up and kick it out like kd does so um, in, in order to get those shots that he's talking about or complaining about, uh, that's what he has to do. 
Yeah, was- I think it was interesting yesterday, said because I think he uh, did attack a couple times uh, and made some pretty good layups. And I think if he continues to recognize that, like you said, this is your role. So if and when you get those uh, knockdown shots, because he immediately had one very early in the game, and when he missed it, the whole crowd kind of went off because of his comments. Like, you know, hey, you requested it, and then you don't even knock him down. But then when he was, <laughs> when he was making the read, no, you know the fans were ruthless. Uh, you want to complain, <laughs> you better produce. So, uh, yeah, they, they let him know. But, uh, but then we're doing this for Christmas, right? Madison yeah. Square Arena in Phoenix, downtown Phoenix, man. Yeah, yeah, it's no joke. But um, when when he was attacking like that and the lane was there, he had some pretty good takes. So I think he just needs to recognize that when the defense gives him that, take it. But not a, we all want to win. Like, I love the competitiveness. But um, I don't know. To me, again, when you're already – the team is not doing well and you have these culture things we're speaking of that from the outside looking in we see and a lack of effort comments like that don't help is all i'll say is because it's only going to add to the storyline and and the drama if you will um and another excuse me headline and data point so uh, to me keep that stuff internal um especially when you're at the position that we're uh, where phoenix suns are in right now i think that would have been kind of a better approach for him and i'm sure he probably realizes that yeah, quick correction. He actually had 14 points last night on uh, six for 12 shooting. So uh, big up to Eric Gordon, uh, really nice guy and really solid veteran. And you're right, said he's not the slasher type of player. He's more of a spot-up guy when other players demand much attention on the wings or when they penetrate so they can hit those kickouts and he's right there to knock them down. And uh, he did last night during that third quarter surge uh, and, and as well as with – uh, Metu and Allen who went off for 19 in that third quarter. So well, thank you guys for listening in and thank you both for co-hosting per usual. We'll be more frequent with our coverage of the Suns on the Inferno podcast. I'm Dana Scott for the legend Seth Sabalas and Dr. Patrick Batil, a.k.a. Mr. Orange Sun Superfan. We are going to be back early next week. Happy New Year. Enjoy your holiday. Stay safe. Let me, let me, let me add this if I can before no, we no, leave. Yeah, cool. Sure. I just want to give him his flowers. He was with me on the amazing race, uh, putting 31 in the rafters. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't invited, but I would have loved to have been there. Uh, it's just an honor. But you weren't invited? Hey, that's, that's in a whole nother podcast, but I don't Jeez. know. It wasn't uh, left off the list, but uh, I, I definitely uh, want to give Sean Marion his props, man. And getting, we hadn't been together in a while to talk about it, but uh, that's such, such a great honor for him. And then he belonged up there. He did. Absolutely. And, uh, we will come back to that, said. That's for sure. Yeah, we got to talk more <laughs> about that. But for now, till the new year, flow on, fellas. Like said would say. Classic. <laughs>